Welcome to the Capital Integrative Health Podcast, a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health, an integrative practice committed to expanding access to holistic root cause medicine to the global community. We are excited to have a conversation today with Dr. Anina Burns. Anina and I trained together in functional medicine, and we have known each other for several years as friends and professional colleagues. Anina is the first PhD and RD to be certified in functional medicine by the Institute for Functional Medicine, and has over nine years of clinical experience. She is the CEO and founder of Simplina Fertility, an innovative fertility coaching program which helps couples improve their chances of a healthy pregnancy. She is most proud of being a mom and wants to give others who want to be parents the same opportunity to experience the joy of parenting, which is why she founded Simplina. Today, we are going to dive into how you can support your fertility using nutrition, lifestyle, and a functional medicine approach. Well, welcome, Anina, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, so I just heard you moved into a um, great place that's very much uh, connected to the earth or, you know, more parking there and uh, has some <laughs> apple trees. And uh, why don't you tell us about about that first? Sure. So uh, my family and I have been in this city um, in pretty much for the last 15 years. And in COVID, it really uh, caused us to think twice about city living, especially with a young child uh, who can't be vaccinated. And we decided to move out to Virginia uh, near my parents. So we have their help. But we also now have access to apple pink picking, um, pumpkin um, patches, and we're just out and about in the mountains. And it's really nice to be out with nature, especially during this time in the yeah, pandemic. That's that's so great. And um, and then uh, you, you probably also get to uh, really breathe the clean air and connect to the ground and do earthing and these type of things. Yeah, it feels really good. I mean, you really forget how far away from you are from nature when you're in a city. Um, so I was always, you know, rushing to the metro, trying to get to work and um, just having a chance to like, wow, the air is cleaner and it feels better to breathe out here. And I can mm-hmm. also um, do social distancing safely and it's not an issue. So it is really nice to be out there at this time. And you're a registered dietitian, functional and integrated nutritionist. So tell tell me about the, the farmer's markets. Tell us about that. Uh, farmer's markets or do you, do you shop at farms or grocery stores out there? We do. So we do a CSA mm-hmm. in the summer to support a local farm. And then we also shop at farmers markets on weekends. And it's fantastic because um, by being further out in Virginia, we've got great access to produce that comes from both Pennsylvania and Virginia. Um, Good apples, um, great berries, um, good veggies. It's got a great bread. Yeah, good soil quality there for sure. Yeah. I know a lot of the Virginia produce gets into Maryland too. And we see the produce from both Virginia and, and Pennsylvania. So uh, first, let's tell us about your background and intro to nutrition and holistic medicine. How did you get into into those fields, especially nutrition, I think, first? Sure. So I'm Italian-American, and so food is everything in my family. It's how I grew up. I mean, we celebrate with food. We uh, eat over you know good meals every single day. I mean, it's always like, what's for dinner tomorrow? Uh, it's just part of being Italian-American. So food was a natural fit, but I was always interested in biochemistry and uh, the science of health and how you have optimum health. And so nutrition is a perfect marriage of both together well first of all i don't know anyone who doesn't like italian food <laughs> so, and, it's right, good food food wine pairings and you got the bread to start with and things like that often uh, but i know that you um you also are interested in fertility and that's our main topic today but what got you interested in fertility and, and women's health 
Sure. So I've had a women's health practice for the last nine years where I help women throughout the life cycle, wherever they were. And then as I had my own struggles with fertility and I saw my own clients have struggles with fertility, I really realized there's a gap in healthcare. Um, there is a need for women to get support before they want to get pregnant to improve their health, but also for their male partners as well. So you have the best chance to conceive and also a healthier chance for a healthier baby. And so my own struggles and watching that of my clients said, I want to create a service to be there for them. Um, so they get that support and functional medicine and nutrition that they need. And for your own kind of personal journey with, with fertility, what kind of, you know, um, barriers and also opportunities and breakthroughs did you kind of go through with that? Sure. So, I mean, first of all, I, you know, try to get pregnant after 35. <laughs> so immediately the conventional medical system said, oh, you're really high risk um, and you may not be able to get pregnant. Um, so then, you know, I was with a good lifestyle change and often health able to conceive my daughter. And I feel very, very fortunate. Um, I have struggled with secondary infertility um, and maintaining pregnancy. And I have had repeated miscarriages. And so I know firsthand that loss um, and how hard it is. Um, especially when you have had a child, too, and you're kind of dismissed by the conventional medical community as, well, you already had one, so you should be lucky with that. Mm. Um, and so I, I know what um, my clients go through, and I know that experience firsthand as I try to solve my issues of, like, how can I achieve pregnancy now that I'm in my 40s? Yeah, and I think, you know, 35 is considered advanced maternal age, but certainly in the D.C. areas, as people get more, you know, educated, and I think even generations, people are tending to have, trying to have uh, kids a bit, a bit um, later now in life, too. Yeah. So it's not, it's not uncommon, you know. It's not uncommon at all. And it's the trend. So more and more people are having children later as yeah. they want to have a good financial footing. Yeah. Um, and want to have their careers in a place where you can bring a child into the world. It's a, a good time to bring a child into the world. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. It's just how do we help Mother Nature and help your body also coincide with those goals? What do you enjoy most about your work at this point? Yeah. I just love working with clients. I love getting onto Zoom now. I see everybody virtually um, and having them say, I have never slept this well in my life. I have never felt so good in my life. I've been struggling 10 years with this gut issue, and this is the first time I feel normal. When you hear those words, as you know, as a provider, Dr. Wong, it's just so heartwarming. It feels wonderful, and you want more people to have that experience. And that's awesome. As we, we both know, and you know, in functional medicine, the body is connected. Everything's connected. So they might be coming in to you with, with fertility issues, but it may be a gut issue or hormone issue or a, a detox issue, et cetera. So they, like you just said, they, they may be coming to you and then they end up sort of, oh, this is the best I've felt in such a long time because you're working on the whole system with them. That's right. That's absolutely right. What, how does your approach differ from a conventional approach to, to women's health? Sure. So I think particularly in the fertility world, if you want to get pregnant, they say, just try. And if that doesn't work after a year, if you're under 35 or six months if over 35, go to IVF. <laughs> okay, so that's the definition of, that's, of infertility. Or that's the definition basically. of infertility, but that's also the conventional path of you can't get pregnant, you go to an OB, the OB says wait and try, You've waited and tried, go to IVF. Nothing in between. Right? So mm. usually nothing in between. Mm. Sometimes they'll do STD testing. Um, they might do some basic blood work looking at your thyroid status. But, the, you know, there's not a lot of um, 
answers provided in that process. And in a functional medicine practice and in Simplina, we really look for those underlying health conditions. Why are you not able to conceive? And so functional medicine is different because we're looking at the root cause for infertility instead of just saying, okay, um, this is the way it is. This is what your option is. So we're going to go now with uh, kind of this female fertility and, and male fertility uh, kind of dyad there. What's the role of, of, we'll start with female fertility. What's the role of female fertility in the whole fertility process? Right. And then so, we'll go with. Um, so I think women get a disproportionate amount of the, um, you know, weight and infertility cycles. So we often say, well, it's a woman's issue. Um, it is 50% often women. So we say about, you know, 30% are women, 30% men, 30% unex- unexplained. But often that unexplained is equally divided between men and women. That leaves another uh, 10%, which is another. <laughs> right, exactly, which uh, Who knows? our med- conventional medicine doesn't answer for, yeah. right? So yeah. that's what they, um, but the role of women is very much, um, not only do they have to produce good quality eggs, um, your uterus has to be such that you can have pot implantation and you can actually hold an embryo um, and then grow an embryo. So they have a key role in fertility. Yeah, there's multiple steps, it sounds like. But but it sounds like what you said, you know, some of them are known, but, but the ones that are known, it's kind of like half and half in terms of sometimes it's more the female, sometimes more the male or, or both maybe. That's correct. And, and and what about what do we know about male fertility? What role do men play in this process? Sure. So I think male fertility is kind of the big unanswered question. In the IVF world, we really don't look enough at it. We know that um, sperm counts are declining. Uh, they've declined about fifty percent in the last forty years. It's that's, pretty dramatic. That's dramatic. Yeah. Um, we're also seeing more abnormal sperm. So you can have sperm, but the abnormal sperm leads to infertility, and also is more likely to lead to miscarriage or um, issues in pregnancy and um, after when a child is born. So we know that men are a key part of the equation, and we actually have good data on um, the decline of sperm quality. And so often uh, in an IVF setting, we just look at motility, and we're looking whether or not they move, and quantity, you know, how much you have, but we're not looking at quality, and that's key piece. Are there tests out out there that can look at sperm quality as well? There are. So there's a DNA fragmentation test, which looks at how um, broken up the DNA is of the sperm. And there's also one that I'm increasingly using, which is DNA methylation, right? So before that DNA is actually broken, or um, you can start to see it methylate, um, uncoil, which means that it's starting to be damaged. But it also means that the male has perhaps a higher biological age than their chronological age, right? So a guy might be 35, 40, but he might have a sperm of a 45-year-old. If and there's that's increased DNA methylation. That's exactly right. Got it. And do conventional fertility docs, specialists, do they test these kind of tests? Or? Not in this area, and generally they don't. Generally not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there, why is that? I think we just kind of go by the book, right? Like, it's like, this is our protocol. We've been doing this a long time, and this is what we do. What Um, fits in the box is the answer that is sort of conventionally. Right. It's um, how we're trained, and it's what we've been doing. All right. Uh, And uh, what are some of the fundamental nutrition tips uh, for supporting fertility, you know, first of all? Sure. So I think the big thing is that people often say when you're pregnant, oh, I, I can't drink. I need to eat better. I need to exercise. You need to think like you're pregnant before you're pregnant, when you're trying to get pregnant, right? So you need to be eating a good variety of fruits and veggies, um, low toxin, right? So organic, avoiding the dirty dozen, things that have high pesticides in them, 
low glycemic, all right? So we wanna keep that blood sugar nice and low. So higher on the protein and the fat, a little bit lower on the complex carbs. You still need carbs. And then getting the right supplementation to support your body. Those are just some really basic nutrition tips. How about organic foods? And if people cannot afford organic foods, then, then what would you recommend there? Right. So I think the key thing is avoiding the foods that are highest pesticide, right? So the Environmental Working Group has something called the Dirty Dozen, which I just mentioned. So strawberries are one thing that if you can't buy them organic, just don't eat them. Okay. <laughs> Blueberries actually are much lower in pesticides, so that's a good option. Eating in the season is cheaper. Um, so if you're having apples in the fall, it's cheaper than having um, raspberries in the fall because we're bringing those raspberries in from far away um, because they're not growing locally. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need to be 100% organic. You just need to really avoid those high pesticide, um, high toxic do, fruits Do you know veggies. if the local farms, like we just went apple picking recently too, do they use pesticides a, a lot on their crops? They generally do. They do. Um, okay. And apples are actually one of the more high pesticide mm -hmm. um, fruits. So it's really important as well. I think you brought up a good point to wash your veggies and mm. fruits. That's key before eating them. How do you wash them? Is it like water with a vegetable cleaner or is there some other way? So I actually just use um, the seventh generation um, dish soap um, okay. and you dilute it and you wash all your veggies and you rinse it out with that. So but you can still eat way. the skin. Um, you can still eat Two? the skin, but another thing, another option would be like to take the skin off, which okay. reduces the pesticide. Right, count right. For apples. First. And then another random question I had about strawberries, since you mentioned <laughs> it. Um, you know those little wild strawberries you see everywhere on the grass? Uh, are they safe to eat? Are they something you can eat? I or always not really? tell people no. <laughs> you really, mushrooms, berries, there's actually a lot of ones that are poisonous in our area. So mm. I, I think it's just better not to have them. Yeah, and they may be picking up a lot of pesticides, pesticides from the road or whatever. Or who knows? I mean, it could be dog waste and that true. Can, um, yeah, that's make true. you sick as well. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and are there any essential nutrients that people should be aware of? I guess we can talk about maybe macro and micronutrients, but in terms of augmenting or, or improving fertility. Sure. So there are quite a few. So vitamin A is very important for the corpus luteum. Iron is really important to help that placenta grow. Your B vitamins are very important in this process. And folate, as many people know, and the methylated form is very key. Fat is actually important. So a lot of times people overlook fat, but you need fat to produce your hormones. Hormones are produced from cholesterol. So you need to have good quality fats in your diet. You're saying fats are not bad. So fats are not bad. Uh -huh. At least healthy fats. Healthy fats, that's right. You don't have any need for trans fat, but you know, eating eggs, having steak or chicken, um, olive oil, avocado, those are all healthy fats. Got it. Okay. And and you know, obviously we know that that brain tissue is mostly fat. That's so right. looking at fetal brain development, they're going to need those fats. It's absolutely important. So that's why we talk about fish oil and fish and protein. It's very key. Mm -hmm. for and for vegetarians, uh, what, where would they get the healthy fats from? Um, so I highly encourage eggs um, because that's a great source. Um, and if they are pescatarian, you know, to have fish in moderation, and that's low toxin fish. So some fish are highly toxic, like swordfish or tuna, um, whereas like sand, wild salmon is a better choice. Um, and then to get fish oil or DHA is a supplement is key for vegetarians. All right. So we talked about how we define infertility. Let's talk about some common root causes that you see in the functional medicine space in terms of what causes infertility. What are some of those root causes you're working up when you see a client? Sure. So there's a number of issues that um, you know I've found. So PCOS, endometriosis are some of the classic ones. 
autoimmunity, um, thyroid antibodies, their gut dysbiosis, nutrient deficiencies, um, and even um, bacterial overgrowth that can um, candida, uh, BV, and so forth, uh, that can upset the vaginal biome. Those are all root causes. And on the male side, um, you look at low testosterone, low DHEA, the hormonal levels, um, as well as poor sperm quality. Got it. So we're talking at a pretty high level here in a nice forest view. I know some listeners may not know all these acronyms. So let's kind of dive back in, if you don't mind, to PCOS. Yeah, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is PCOS. And that's where you have cysts on your ovaries. And I find many of my clients have had this throughout life. And it was just sort of like, oh, well. Hmm. And then they go to get pregnant and they can't. And it's like, well, maybe that's part of the problem. Because PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, has been linked to having high blood glucose and poor blood glucose control. So there are things you can do with nutrition to reduce those cysts that can improve your chances for fertility. Now, is it the hormonal imbalances or the blood sugar imbalances that kind of lead to fertility for the PCOS women? Or It's both, right? Yeah. So blood sugar, I often find, drives things because it creates inflammation in the body and it upsets the hormonal uh, balance. And yeah. then you have that cascade effect. And one of the symptoms that you get is PCOS. Right. So so is that correct to say that PCOS kind of stems from insulin resistance mostly? Yes. Or are there other That's other a lot of, there are other reasons, but we really think the root cause for PCOS is insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to a lot of, you know, we know that from studies that up to 88% of, of Americans have metabolic syndrome, like insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, and, and I wonder how many people, you know, of that group have more fertility issues. Right. Absolutely. It sounds like that's that's an issue. And then back to the thyroid, too. Autoimmune conditions in general would increase the risk of inflammation, oxidative stress, infertility. But we know that we probably both see a lot of women with, with autoimmune thyroid. Uh, and, and, you know, have you found that, you know, improving their thyroid uh, hormone helps with fertility as well? It definitely helps. In functional medicine, we like to see that TSH between 1 and 2. Um, so it's a really narrow range, 2.5 kind of being the maximum area, whereas normal thyroid would be, you know, 2 to 4.5. Mm-hmm. So it's a different range for fertility, but I have seen a difference. So conventional clients. range versus like an optimal range for fertility is, is, is narrower, right? Right. It's okay. much tighter. Yeah, I've, I've found that too. It, it seems to be people are more successful at that range. Mm-hmm. That's great. And have you found um, herbs and nutrition to be helpful with lowering that that TSH down to down to a two, let's say, or do they need medication medications or what, what's sort of your been your experience with that? So it really depends where it is, right? So if they're at a three or a two point eight, um, you know, we just really try to have good cortisol control. So we might use um, rhodiola or ashwagandha to kind of control the cortisol, which can help control the thyroid. We can also use selenium and zinc and other nutrients to help that T four T three conversion. Um, however, if someone's you know over a 4.5 or 5 and they're looking to get pregnant, uh, we absolutely want them to get thyroid medication if they're looking to get pregnant soon because we do know if that TSH is elevated, you're more likely to miscarry even though you do get pregnant. Yeah, and I feel like more people are having TSH and thyroid issues now than before. And I'm not sure if it's just because we're diagnosing it more, there's more environmental toxins out there, gut dysbiosis, etc., Right. Um, we are seeing a rise in thyroid-related um, disorders, so mm-hmm. I, I do think there is a rise in it. And, uh, and, and then you talked about methylation a bit earlier, like DNA methylation. How does that, how does that exactly uh, cause or contribute to infertility, and, and what do you do about methylation? 
Right. So the key thing is like um, with methylation, you have like the uncoiling, right, of the DNA. And what you want for fertility is optimum health, right? You want your DNA to be really strong and really healthy. And the way you do that, you do that with nutrition, you do that with exercise, you do that with sleep um, and targeted supplementation to really kind of prevent that methylation from happening. So basically when you methylate, uh, Dr. Wang, you think about it as you're aging faster. That's another way to think about methylation. Um, one thing is also to make Make sure you're getting methylated supplements. So I know both you and I use those. So you know methyl tetrahydrofolate, methylated B6, methyl B12. Um, those are important because you have more methyl donors. We know about 40 to 60 percent of the population has genetic SNPs um, related to MTHFR, mm-hmm. and that's important for fertility. Right. So so the conventional maybe unmethylated folic acid supplementation would not be necessarily good for someone with that MTHR. FR right. re- mutation, got it. And yeah, like you said, su- super common. Um, what about what about gut uh, dysbiosis? There, how would you you know kind of treat that in this situation with so- infertility? Right. So we want to make sure we treat gut dysbiosis before we actually try to conceive. So that's why in the Simplina Functional Fertility Program, we have four months where we're really detoxing, cleaning up your system, optimum health, before you go to conceive. You can't be detoxing or treating a gut issue while trying to get pregnant because a lot of those herbs, um, or if you use antibiotics, are toxic um, when trying to conceive. But if we look at, uh, we do a GI MAP test, we're looking for you know gut dysbiosis, presence of H. pylori, presence of candida, really to heal that. Because when your gut is inflamed and there's dysbiosis, we know that that can also lead to vaginal dysbiosis and upset the vaginal biome. So you could get pregnant but not be able to maintain that pregnancy um, and still have a harder time getting pregnant as well. So I use herbs, um, I use diet uh, to really try to do that. And then I also refer out to a physician if they really need antibiotics, if they have a really high H. pylori count before they try to conceive. What about uh, what about insufficiency dysbiosis where it's like low levels of, of lactobacillus, bifidobacteria, how does that kind of play in? What is your role? What is your um, thoughts about probiotics in regards to, uh, I guess, supporting healthy um, initiation of pregnancy? Right. So we really want good, healthy gut biome, right? Because that's important for nutrient absorption. Um, it's also important for detoxification. And those are two things you really need. So if you have insufficiency, we also want to treat that before you try to conceive. So we want to use probiotics. We also want to use fermented foods if it's, you know, uh, right for that particular person because you want to colonize that gut. So it's not just about taking one pill, but it's also eating in a way that supports your gut health. What are your favorite uh, fermented foods? Um, So sauerkraut. I actually really do like sauerkraut. And kombucha tea is an all-time favorite. Nice. Yeah, I'm starting to get into sauerkraut myself. Um, And then um, I guess in terms of the other thing I wanted to ask about for infertility, we know that a lot of people are, you know, they might be working moms or working dads or working people in general, I guess I'd say, Um, or they're, they're just running around like stressed out. And so what is the role of stress with infertility? You know, what, what do you see? How do you see stress, you know, and the mind body connection play a role in this? So stress plays a key role. We actually have a mental health component and simply enough that we address stress um, because if that cortisol level is too high or too low, we know that impacts your blood glucose and that in turn impacts fertility. Um, and infertility, let me just say this, is a major stress. So studies have shown that chronic infertility miscarriages have the same PTSD disorders as having a cancer diagnosis or an HIV diagnosis in people. Wow. It's this chronic stress and fear 
fear of what's going to happen next. What is my health going to look like going forward? And it is a real stressor. So it's a bit of a catch-22 when you're dealing with infertility, but we try to break that cycle as best as we can, get people the mental health support that they need, but also really try to support your lifestyle in a way that can reduce stress. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen that where people have try- been trying for so many years and they've had years of infertility and that, that in itself, like you said, becomes trauma or becomes a almost like a, a fear limbic system activation kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And of course, then the flip side is, you know, if they do get pregnant, that's, there's so much joy and so much gratitude and it's just great to see, you know, people get pregnant there. That's absolutely right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we want to do everything we can to make that possible. Now, once someone has, I'm not sure if there's research on this or not, but if once someone has one child, are they more likely to have a, another child, you know, just based off of that? Does the, do, do the statistics basically are about the same in terms of infertility? The so the statistics um, are you are more likely. So I think a lot of times at traditional IVF clinics, they say, oh, you've had one child, so you should be able to have another, right? So it's not an issue. But we do know secondary infertility is real. Um, the numbers are, um, you know, valid. And whether or not it's about equal to primary or secondary, I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. offhand. But um, secondary infertility is a, a problem. Can um, you just so, describe for everyone what, what that means? Uh, sure. Secondary? So secondary infertility is just um, you're able to conceive your first child, but you're unable to conceive a child after After. uh, their first Mm -hmm. child. So it's called secondary infertility. Got it. Thank you. And then we talked about the role of insulin resistance and maybe being overweight, metabolic syndrome, this blood sugar kind of condition, uh, creating this inflammatory milieu in a way, kind of like where everything is kind of not, you know, safe to have a child. So then someone's maybe a bit more um, having trouble with fertility. What about the opposite sort of where people are underweight? Right where they maybe don't have the the raw material to to make the hormones. Based on that, do, do you see that much in your practice? And how does how does the role of being underweight or maybe not eating enough or not not maybe not weighing enough in a way? That's right. So I do see that in my practice. And the issue with being underweight is it impacts, as you said so clearly, your hormonal levels. So you can have depressed hormonal levels and you cannot ovulate. You need a certain amount. Women need a certain amount of fat in their body. Um, to ovulate and also to produce hormones. So you really want to be right in between. Like you want to have healthy body weight to concede. Um, being underweight is a risk factor. And, and you know, obviously, you know, uh, there's a lot of, of people out there with eating disorders, body dysmorphic disorders. It's, it's not their fault. It's like almost like society's, you know, message of you got to be thin. You got to look at this uh, model on the glossy magazine cover. Right. And so I feel like a lot of people are coming into it with that. And they're like, well, why can't I get pregnant? But then their BMI is really low, and then their hormones are low. So that's that's kind of the answer. What do you do in that situation? Are you referring out to a, a mental health therapist to help with that, or what's yeah? Your so I do think with eating disorders, like it really is best addressed by a psychologist okay. um, who has expertise in eating disorders because it's it's its own um, kind of classification and you want to address it before you try to get pregnant, not just to maintain that health, to try to get pregnant and through pregnancy, but also afterward um, Mm -hmm. to be a healthy mom and to be a healthy family and model those behaviors. So maybe seeing a therapist um, before working on the nutrition or is it like At the same time, it can be simultaneous, but I am a big fan of mental health professionals um, really playing a key role in the fertility process. Yeah. So I think we could talk about your coaching program. You you have your founder of the Simplina fertility coaching program and you you work exclusively with 
uh, clients that are wanting to get pregnant, essentially, right? That's right. And which is great. Um, uh, I guess, you know, who, who can use it? Why should people use, you know, your program in terms of fertility program? I think maybe starting with a patient experience would be great. You know, because I think listeners out there may want to kind of hear that story of, of someone, especially if you're out there listening and you're wondering, well, when is it my turn to get pregnant? Right. Absolutely. So I think a, a good patient experience story is I had a patient who is in her early 30s um, and she wasn't unable to get pregnant. Um, she went through IVF and they found a high level of abnormal eggs. Right. So she didn't have good quality eggs. Um, she successfully was able to conceive um, on a transfer and then she went to get pregnant again and she had secondary infertility. She couldn't get pregnant the second time, and she had an even higher number of abnormal eggs, and she's under 35. Oh, wow. Um, and so then she started to ask, well, what more? IVF just said you have a high number of normal eggs. The clinic said it's a chance. Your chances are lower. And she said, what more can I do? Um, and when she came to me and I described what we do at Simplina, how we look at underlying health conditions, we improve egg and sperm quality and really improve your health to increase your chances, whether you go to IVF or not, or try to conceive naturally. And she said, I'm so glad I found you because this is exactly what I'm looking for. And it's that, you know, sort of... Uh, statement that really explains what Simplina does. Um, we are that other. We're that support base that you, you don't get. And she um, went through our program with her husband. Um, she had a successful egg retrieval, and she is now five months pregnant. Um, she had a successful transfer, and she had a higher number of high-quality eggs wow. after completing our program. So what does the program consist of, or at least for her, you know, what was that kind of method of success for her. Right. So we, uh, in our Simplina program, we meet every two weeks with the couple um, for a course of four months. So there's eight sessions, and it starts with diagnostic testing from the beginning and a really thorough intake and also listening to the patient experience and the client experience, where people have been. Um, I think a lot of times they walk into a new practice and they have to start over. You shouldn't have to start over. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they know what they've been through, and we can look at their existing labs. After we do some diagnostic testing or rec refer them out for diagnostic diagnostic testing. Then we start the program of detoxing to really kind of clean up the body and then building egg health and sperm health. As we get results back from the test, from functional tests and from um, conventional tests, we personalize that further, right? So that that program is personalized for their particular needs. Um, and you build new eggs every three months, about 90 days, and you generate new sperm every 64 days. Um, so we have a chance to have this brand new opportunity um, to produce good eggs and sperm at the end of our program. I just am laughing because the 64-day sperm building, I wonder if there was some uh, mathematical reason, <laughs> eight squared or something. I know, it's very right. particular. Yeah, I so, always tell people, wait, you know, until the four months. you got to wait till the woman's ready, so the guy's got to wait. The too. guy's got to yeah, yeah, ladies first, right? Um, and the husband participates as well in the program, That's right? right. There has to be two people it's to tango with this, right? Absolutely, yeah. and they are an equal part of the equation, an equal player. So for everyone, all those guys listening out there, if they're dragging their feet, they probably wouldn't be a good fit for this kind of program. They would have to be really all in as well? We really want them all in. Okay. I do see um, women if their husbands don't want to, because I don't believe in um, not providing care because your partner is not on board, right? So we want to increase your chances mm -hmm. regardless of where you are. But I really want to have the couple there. Right, and, and just to be clear, job. we're talking about males and females, but but it could be any partners or any people partner, without any, a partner. Also, uh, anyone right. that so wants to be. I have several patients be, who are okay. doing IUIs with yeah. sperm donors. They're yeah. single, um, and that's totally fine. Yeah. You can have. Um, Regardless of your type of relationship, you're welcome. Great. Thank you so much.
much for, for that. And um, what kind of testing do you use with your clients? You talked about functional medicine testing, getting to the root cause, getting to more precision medicine. Right. So um, I do some basic blood testing, looking at cardiovascular risk profile, looking at thyroid, um, looking at nutrients, looking at blood glucose. And then on the functional side, I look at hormonal balance. I look at gut health. Um, I look at nutrient deficiencies. And I also look at um, sperm health and DNA methylation for nice, sperm. Nice. Yeah, that, that's that's really all great. We, we had Dr. Carrie Jones on here um, to talk about the Dutch test. So we're big fans of that. I don't know if you use the Dutch. Yeah, and I do use the Dutch test. So. Um, both the cycle mapping. I do as cycle well. mapping, um, and often I'll do the cortisol, the cortisol on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a playing a huge role in, in uh, you know stress, of course, or you know a mediator in that. And um, is the Simplina functional medicine coaching program done with um, IVF or or separately? In other words, do people need to choose between function um, between sort of functional medicine approach and IVF, or, or can they be synergistic? No, so with Simplina supports you regardless of what choose path you choose to parenthood. Um, so we are here for you if you want to pursue IVF or an IUI, and we're here for you if you want to conceive naturally, and we're also here for you if you don't know, and you're just going along the fertility journey, and you're going to see what happens, because having better health, having better egg health and better sperm health can only help you regardless of the path. How do you collaborate if that is done with, with the fertility specialist? Like, I, I know a lot of times in our practice, people will be like, you know, can you collaborate with my other docs, my other practitioners? Because there's, there may be some things that it's, it's better if, you know, practitioners talk together to collaborate on their uh, care plan. Right. So I'm always available to collaborate. I do work with a couple reproductive endocrinologists regularly okay. and we share patients. And so yeah. I often refer to those reproductive endocrinologists because I know that they're on board with mm-hmm. nutrition and lifestyle their change. Style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also always available. I tell my patients, I write letters to physicians, you know, when suggesting labs and diagnostic testing that I'm here um, because I do think it's important that providers talk to each other. I love what you said about nutrition, and um, I, I think that's so important to emphasize here today is that food is information, and food can actually cause basically an epigen- epigenetic change in the expression of, of the genes. Is that's that right. Absolutely. So, so that's how your lifestyle can influence your genes. Can we talk about epigenetics a bit and, and kind of what that means and how nutrition can impact the, the fertility that way? Right. So I think it's good to step back with genetics because a lot of times when people hear genetics, they think, oh, I'm at high risk for heart disease because that's what is in my family and therefore I might have heart disease. And the key thing with epigenetics is that expression of the gene, right? So there's um, the environment can change your genes to then express something. So you could not have heart disease risk in your family, but the environment in which you're living and the lifestyle can actually express genes and change your genes so that you could be more likely to have heart disease. Got it. So so an environment could be like food you take in, the air you breathe, the toxins or, or the stress, detoxification, the stress, sleep, sleep. Okay. every way in which you live. And what we do with the Simplina Fertility Program is we focus on the full lifestyle, right? So it's not just about nutrition and food. It's about targeted supplements. It's about exercise. It's about sleep. It's about your home environment and exposure uh, to toxins that can actually inhibit fertility. It's changing all of that to try to improve uh, your epigenetics so that you have a better chance to have better eggs and better sperm. And we would also be remiss without mentioning Liz Baer, who we both are friends with. And Liz, actually, I believe um, you kind of introduced us at the Le Pen Quotidien. Yeah, that's so right. thank you for making <laughs> CIH a reality because we, we met and we, we co-founded CIH. And CH, but, CIH was born. And CIH was born. So you uh, played <laughs> a big in role fertility. in the fertility of <laughs> CIH. Yes. Thank you, Anina. 
And, um, you know, speaking of Liz as an acupuncturist, I'm wondering your experience with, uh, you know, having your clients relate to the impact of acupuncture on fertility as well. Yeah, so I think acupuncture is a great resource for fertility. Um, Eastern medicine has a different way of looking at the body, as you're very familiar with, and it can really support the body in addition to whether you're doing IVF, you're eating well, exercising, it, it also helps balance the body in a way that supports fertility. So I'm a big fan of acupuncture, and I encourage my patients to use it. So I think the, the, the take-home so far for this, what I'm getting is that there's, there's many paths to fertility. And, and a lot of times it's, it's, you know, being synergistic about it can be really helpful. That's absolutely the case, right? So we know, like, the data shows that certain supplements help for fertility. A certain level of exercise and type of exercise helps. But the question is, you you want everything to help, right? When you're trying to get pregnant, <laughs> yeah. you need everything. And so it's how do we bring all those pieces together to optimize your health so that you have the best chance? Um, let's go into that, if you don't mind. Um, what are your top three supplements? Not not for it to be cookie cutter, but, like, if you had to just say, okay, what are the top three you know, pretty big target supplements that would likely be helpful for someone that's trying to get pregnant. Sure. So I would say a prenatal and a good quality prenatal. So that prenatal has got to have methylated folate in it, um, you know, and methylated B vitamins and a good mixture and also be free from contaminants. Um, So that's number one. I would say coenzyme Q10 is really important for egg and sperm health. Oh, interesting. Um, ATP in the ubiquinol form. So it's very uh, the reduced form. The right, yeah, the reduced form is key. Um, one thing, sorry, back to the methylation. Um, if someone had an MTHFR, would would it be okay to use the adenosyl hydroxy forms or or methyl form is what you typically recommend? No, I am fan of doing the adenosyl hydroxy form for B12. Okay, um, okay. MTHFR. Okay. So and that's where personalized nutrition comes in. Yeah. Right. That's where you want to actually be working with a clinician, so you get that diagnosis and you're taking the right supplement for your body type. Got it. So some uh, some form of B12 that is sort of intelligent for the MTHFR uh, gene variation if people have that um, to help with, with methylation process, as well as, uh, you said, reduced um, coenzyme Q10, which is ubiquinol. Um, and then what is it? What is another one that you might I would say, say fish oil yeah. um, to reduce the inflammation. You don't want it in too high of a dose, mm-hmm. um, and you want to make mm-hmm. sure it's a toxin-free uh, reduce, but really you want that anti-inflammatory good fat in the body. Yeah. How much fish could someone eat if they were like, well, I don't want to do the fish oil pills or, you know, things like that? What would you say? Two to three times a week, really. Okay. And again, okay. that's low toxin, low mercury okay. fish, right? So you need yeah. to look at your fish charts um, and what you're eating. Got it. Okay, great. Um, and then I think um, I think let's go with some other other questions uh, that that we kind of ask all of our guests. So <laughs> we can go with uh, your morning routine, if, if you have a favorite morning routine, and if you could describe that for us. Sure. So I'm so proud of myself because I did it this morning. <laughs> awesome. I will be honest, I don't do my morning routine every single morning. I don't think anyone does um, the whole mor- morning. But sometimes yeah. I just need to sleep in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But what I do is I get up and I have warm water and lemon. I stretch. It feels really good to stretch. Um, I actually write, uh, sort of free write on one page, just everything, whether it's dreams or thoughts for the day or just get stuff out on paper. Yeah. Um, and then I do a guided meditation. That's awesome. Have you heard of the Miracle Morning book? I'm kind of getting it the last one no, or two years. It, it, it incorporates a lot of that, but... Um, but um, I, I've been doing that too. Um, not every morning, but I've been trying to. <laughs> the mornings the you last, don't sleep uh, in. <laughs> the, right, exactly. Yeah, sleep is is really 
so important. Um, and uh, we we touch on that. But uh, how much sleep do you think people need? Uh, let's just get back to that for a second. How many how many hours do you think people need uh, to to like support a healthy pregnancy? You really need seven to eight hours of undisturbed sleep. So that's the key thing. So if you're waking up in the middle at three four hours, that's not undisturbed sleep. Um, and you definitely need over six hours. Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, and then what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? Um, so I really like the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Carey. I'm enjoying that um, pretty well. And I also like a lot of startup podcasts, so Rock Health um, and Masters of Scale by Reed Hoffman. Rock Health, and what was the other one? Masters of Scale by Masters Reed Hoffman. Masters of Scale, okay, got it. Great. Um, and what do you do every day to cultivate joy besides uh, your morning routine and uh, <laughs> playing with your daughter and doing apple picking and pumpkin pumpkin picking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really would say playing with my daughter is key, yeah. just really enjoying that time. Um, she's five years old. It's such a precious time. So nice. And also just observing children and how they just find joy. And they're so present in the moment and so curious. And so just to spend that undivided time with her um, really cultivates great joy. I feel like teachers, um, children are the best teachers, really. So playing with their kids. They're intuitive. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And they love play and they know how to manage stress really well. Mm -hmm. They just go to sleep when they need to and they break down and cry when they need to. (laughs) Right. Releasing the toxins Mm -hmm. that way, the emotions, Mm -hmm. etc. How can listeners get uh, in contact with you uh, more about your practice and work with you, etc.? Sure. So we have a website, simplina.com, and you can actually book directly online. Just hit the book now button. Um, You can also contact us through that website and uh, we'll get right back to you. Great. Well, thank you so much, Anina, for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks. 